Hello and welcome to Fake Movie Experts, the movie review podcast that breaks down a movie franchise one movie at a time. Since we all got Batman on the brain, we're going to be reviewing the first four Batman movies. So we're starting off with Batman 1989. Hey, we should make it clear we're not including Adam West. You can watch that on your own. This is time, not Keith. the first Batman. Yeah, that's TV Batman. Well, technically, <laughs> first Batman's comic book Batman. There was an Adam West movie. There was the Batman. Batman yeah, wasn't movie. that a made-for-TV movie? That I don't know. But I do know that <laughs> I'm your host, Joseph Lussell. I'm alongside here with Ricky Marcelli. Hey yo. And the two-face of the group, <laughs> the above average. He's just there for the movie, Keith Swetland. I mean, I feel like that's the most complimentary one he's ever used. Two-Face is one of the best characters in the Batman universe. But, but not in this a, one. Yeah, but like the lower, like lowercase Two-Face, just to describe me as Two-Face is not good. Yeah, that <laughs> I mean, I don't know what are you talking Two-Face wasn't, Two wasn't in this movie. There was no Two-Face. Yeah, you're just calling ex- me an asshole ex- and a liar. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> hey, anyways, I, had a, a, I got an idea for my intro here. You guys want to hear my idea? You know, you don't sure. have to like articulate that you have an idea. You can just do your intro. You don't need okay. to articulate every time that, hey, I have an you idea. You know what, Keith? Keith, before you do, I would like you to like announce that you're doing the intro so we know what we're getting ourselves into. I got, I saw Joe did Rick first. Now, me. Now, I got a thing for when you say Keith. <laughs> you have a thing uh, when I say Keith? Yeah, you introduced me. You called me Two Face. So then I was going to do a thing after you introduced me. So what are you going to do? Should I redo this? Do you know? What you're no, doing no, no. We're good. I'll I'll just get into it. It's a uh, you two have derailed this enough. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I went to Carl's Jr. today and I tried the new burger. Separate non podcast related thing. I was just really excited. It's a good burger, the Bacon Beast. Go uh go go check it out, all you experts out there. Good burger. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Keith, I love you. I love you, buddy. <laughs> so we're going to do, we're going to be uh, talking about Batman 1989. It came out June 23rd of 1989, a runtime of two hours and six minutes. Starring Definitely Mi- not a tight 90. <laughs> no, it was for me. Uh, starring Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Kim Basinger, Robert Rule, uh, and where is he? Uh, Jack Palance. Billy D. Williams, Pat Hingle, Billy D. Williams, everybody. Um, not a scratch. Not a scratch. That's right. Uh, directed by Tim Burton. Such movie. He's directed such movie as uh, P- 1985's Pee Wee Big Adventure, 1988's Beetlejuice, 1996's Mars Attacks, 1990's Edward Scissorhands, 2001's Planet of the Apes. Boy, in 89, Tim Burton was on a hot streak. I don't think I ever knew that he did uh, Mars Attacks. He I thought he didn't. He directed that? Yeah. Interesting. Um, Funny thing about uh, Tim Burton is that he is actually a uh, uh, there's a whole situation with this movie of how he got to become the director because they were looking after a lot of people to become the director of this movie. Um, because in the uh, 1983, they thought about uh, 1979, they thought about doing like 
Batman goes to space, an idea. So then, um, as the years proceeded and like Superman came out, they decided let's do a real Batman movie. And then it had a nineteen uh, was it nineteen eighty five release like idea for the movie. However, it got got rewrote like nine times. They had Ivan Reitman as uh, an idea for the candidate for director. Uh, Wes Craven as the uh, director. But with the success of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, that's when they t- Warner Brothers hired Tim Burton. Um, also, Tim Burton says that he's not a fan. He wasn't a giant, a giant comic book fan. He's always loved the image of Batman the Joker. The reason he never been a comic book fan, uh, he says that he, uh, it just he wasn't into it until he saw the Killing Joke, and that was when he's like, you know what, I can do a comic book. So, what did you guys think of the Bat uh, Batman nineteen eighty nine this time around? The first thing, well, I guess quickly my history with it. I I saw it very very young. I barely remember this one. I've got more uh, more clear memories of Batman Returns, and I've got I guess I have more of like more bias towards that one. I guess of these two, just from my younger younger days. The, the biggest thing that struck me when I was watching it was like watch. This was like watching uh watching Tim Burton in his prime. And like, just he has such a specific style, and I was really exciting to see like peak Tim Burton and like doing Tim Burton style and visuals. The visuals were awesome in this movie, so that's like just like looking at it was fun. That was like a good big takeaway for me. It the it it got a little kind of Rick mentioned it got a little boring. I was in and out a little bit watching it, but for the I mean it was it was delightful over-the-top performances kind of would pull me back in like watch every once in a while jack nicholson would do something crazy and that would pull me back in so i had fun watching it i think there were like there are moments in this that are like some of the best moments in any batman film ever but it also went to as we've already talked adam westy for me at times like it got too comical without really being funny, which was weird. Um, I thought Jack Nicholson played a good Joker that could have been spectacular. Like they're like he acted his ass off, but they just asked him to do some things that were kind of weird. <laughs> um, I think Keaton is a fine Batman. I don't think he's the best Batman. Um, the suit is iconic, but also didn't lend itself well to the uh, action scenes <laughs> or lack thereof of action in those scenes. It just it couldn't tell whether or not it wanted to be serious or full on Adam West Batman. And that just like made it weird at times. Well, the, 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 for me, I like remember almost the entire movie since I've seen this a hundred times so when i put this in like i was just trying this time around like i've watched this twice in the past couple of days but the other time was oh, just shit. in the it was just more in the background as i did research and stuff mm-hmm. and i was just more like the first time watching it i was just doing trying to come up with the lines before they happens to like okay this is when this happens when this happens this line this line um 
it's that fun part of watching it with the producer this time around and she's like how big was jack nicholson at the time to <laughs> you know be joker i'm like well he's a was a big actor and mega star mega star but in the time she looked into it and she's like i don't know like any of the movies that he was in prior to this five easy pieces was a big deal like chinatown all that but it was just more like she was just like looking into like i don't really when did the shining come out yeah the shining yeah but other than like the shining she couldn't really name a you know a hand a handful of movies i think he'd gotten an oscar by then I mean, I yeah, he so. was he was already Jack Nicholson by 1989. Yeah, yeah, he was already big. It's just that when she looked it up, just couldn't. She was just like, and then she asked me the question of who would you uh, recast as the Joker in 1989? I'm like, I need to think about that for like a day and a half to know, like, you know, off the top <laughs> of my head, boom. Yeah, you know, but I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I I think it's in my top. It's in my top five, and might be my top three. But going back to rewatching all these movies, you know that will play the toll of where it ranks. But like I said, I've I don't know. I've watched this a hundred times, and for me, it was just like it was just fun, kind of going back and just watching it. Like never touch a uh, another, never rub another man's. uh, What is it? Uh, I've been saved the whole fucking week. anything about it but oh joe since you know this movie so well i have a note that i can't remember the context of i just wrote this was a good scene and i it's the how's the soup part oh yeah so the part where they say yes how's the soup so funny thing about that uh another my line was never rub another man's rhubarb i've been saying that for the whole time (laughs) um so the funny thing is this movie wasn't supposed to be funny they just thought we funny situation so example the good soup the scene of them uh vicky vell and bruce wayne eating the soup and they're in the far distance that was kind of like just improvised just oh, because yeah. that's the, the, long, idea. the long table part yeah like how can you pass me the salt what pass me the salt it was more of an improvised to kind of make it more weird of the fact of how bruce wayne acts <laughs> when he's by himself but other than that, Rick, give us a little plot breakdown for this movie. All right, boys and girls, non-binary and everyone in between, please gather around for the reading of the plot to 1989's Batman. It's not a young Batman, but it's still young as Batman. Batman, as he's still not completely introduced to the city. He's begun his crusade to try and clean things up by beating up homeless men who are stealing from people who go down alleys to, let's be honest, they shouldn't have gone down. There's a good Amex joke in there that I found hilarious. But things are going wrong in Gotham as one Jack uh, crony for a big mob boss, Mr. Grissom, has been betrayed by his boss after he made eyes with his gal, leading to him falling into a pit of acid after being dropped by Batman, turning him into the Joker. Joker has begun a rivalry with Batman. And can Batman stop this notorious villain before he's found out as to who he is by one Vicky Vale and Alexander Knox? 
Can Batman save the city? Will Gotham kill everyone? Will Commissioner Gordon stop eating? Will Billy D. Williams do anything besides a news conference? Does the mayor ever get his festival? Find all this out and more in Tim Burton's Batman. Uh, to go back to Adam West's Batman, it looks like it had a minor run in the theaters, but not long. So <laughs> we don't need to watch it. Um, hey, do you guys remember Eckhart? The yeah, cop he's guy? the bad lieutenant who was yeah. in the mob boss's pocket. That guy. But where's he from? That guy cracked me. Where's oh, he man. from? Yeah, where's he from? Hold on. Let me take another don't... look at him. I'm just looking <laughs> at his. I'm looking at his picture. Don't look at his. Hold on, let me pull up his I'm just looking at his picture. <laughs> I have no idea what he's from. He's a red six. He's Porkins. Oh! I would never have seen... He's so thin in here compared to Porkins. Oh, do you think that is Porkins? <laughs> like, do you think those universes are together? Uh, yeah, that's Porkins. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, it is. No, Keith, I don't <laughs> he survived. think Porkins. He survived, and then he just, you know, um, but uh, so let's talk about Billy D. Williams for a minute. So he was in this movie as Harvey Dent, and then he signed a multi-contract, multi-movie contract to do Two Face. Um, when we move on to uh, Batman Forever, um, they went with somebody else. However, it he had a contract phase in his contract clause reserving the role for him. So what Warner Brothers is they paid him out and that's why he's not in it. But he does voice the Two-Face in uh, the Lego movie. I wonder so. why, like, what made him make that change. But I guess we can do that more when we actually get to that movie and two of yeah. Um, so fun fact about one, uh, Jack Nicholson, he wasn't the, he, he was offered the role of the Joker, but he was hesitant. So Warner Brothers offered, I'll let you guys have one, two guesses here for 1989 for the Joker. Jack Lemon. Okay. Jack Lemon. I'll give you one more. <laughs> two per. Um, I'm going to go. Tom Hanks. Okay. Tom Hanks. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Eddie Murphy. Well, if Ivan Reitman was director, he Eddie Murphy would have been Robin. Um, but Robin, Robin Williams was offered the role of the Joker. He accepted the role, but then the producers approached Nicholson again and then told him, hey, Robin Williams has the part. Um, but then Nicholson was like, okay, I'll take the role again. So Williams then was released. Uh, Williams resented Warner Brothers because they he said they used him as bait and they offered him the role to play the Riddler in Batman Forever, but he refused that until Warner Brothers would uh, studio would apologize to him for that's a long grudge. <laughs> Damn. Six years. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think Williams one when he went to his grave still hated Disney for portraying his contract to go with Genie. Yeah. So it doesn't because yeah. he had a contract saying like he couldn't be used in promotional. Or yeah. something, and they did it anyways. And don't put him on the sh- don't don't put him on the poster. He held a huge grudge against Disney, and I think he sued him or something. But yeah, I mean, Williams was not one to be crossed. Yeah. Love it. So, <laughs> and basically, Jack Nixon was a 
I want to say he was more of the person in charge of how they ran the movie because he received a portion, a uh, percentage of the gross of the film. He would, he would only do the film if he was top billing. So when you watch the movie, it says Jack Nicholson and then Michael Keaton. Um, he took a budget. His, he has like a movie budget of 10 million. He dropped it down to six, but then he got the percentage of the gross of the film. So that was around $60 million. So as of 2003, that was the most record for an actor's salary, but that's changed because of um, all the Marvel guys. Um, another, thing about, the worst. <laughs> another thing about Nicholson is that he had a strict schedule because he was partying too late, so he wouldn't, you know, uh, he would have late <laughs> nights ending around 3 a.m., um, so he wouldn't enter... Um, he wouldn't get to set till 10 a.m. while Michael Keaton's already there doing stuff. And also um, the L.A. Lakers basketball schedule was around his work schedule. What um, a piece of shit. Yeah, it was all, you know, it's just that, you know, fun dynamic on set. <laughs> it's so this movie was just weird. It clearly bridged the gap between the Adam West era of on-screen television and then, like, what is my true definition of on-screen Batman, which is the animated series. They clearly took, so like, a ton of influence from Tim Burton's Batman and making the animated series. I mean, hell, I didn't even realize that they used the song from Batman as the intro to the animated series until I started. I'm like, hey, that's the animated series intro as well. Uh, because of the success of um, this movie, they that's what they came up with the Batman animated series that came out three years later after, and it's uh, but, still the perfect superhero series. There is nothing that comes close to it, besides maybe the animated Superman series that was that spun off of it. But like, wow, nothing is better than the Batman animated series. So one of the fun things of like just doing the research is like how Warner Brothers has really never had a full like grip of comic book movies because like what Rick you're saying because the Adam West Batman um, came out in like the 70s and, and wasn't too off basis for what golden era like original Batman was it was very like kooky and capery so like yeah. it was more to like the original run of Batman Batman wasn't dark and gritty when he first came out well I'm curious yeah. I'll have to do some I'm not too up on my Batman history like the when did Frank Miller do the famous like the, his famous ones because those are a pretty big deal like in, well they in, were in before his... because um the like the dark knight and all that that's what um michael keaton studied yeah to do uh this movie but what i was getting with is Warner Brothers six was the dark knight by uh frank miller okay um so like the last before this movie the last comic book movie that warner brothers did was superman in 1978 dang and then, but but they but that was the first time. And then they did all four Supermans before this one even came out. So you had all four Supermans that were 
good, great, meh, blah. And then it's like, let's do Batman instead. And we get this one. Um, I like the beginning of the movie for this one. The fact that you think it's um, like in every Batman movie, we get the portrayal, the, the death of the family, you know, Thomas and Martha. And then like in this one, like they, you think it could be them. And then it's like, oh no, it's just Batman current day. Which is interesting because well, I was thinking that as well. But then I'm realizing we don't like the only one that really dove into that in the movie universe straight off the bat was uh, the Dark Knight series, that three movies. Like, otherwise, none of them have actually dipped. Like, everyone has just assumed you already knew that Batman's parents were dead. Well, and that's something I was thinking about while I was watching this because. Like, that's kind of the running joke and bit is how kind of boring and overused the Batman origin story as a kid thing is. So, like, I don't really know how many movies actually show it because we just always talk about how well, it's we got it. We got it <laughs> in this one. I well, want br- briefly. I, it was really briefly. It was quick. But, like, every movie, I think, has a brief shot. I'm trying to think. I don't remember Batman Returns that much. I don't know if they do uh, flashback because I know in Val Kilmer's they do. Yeah. And DOJ has it. It's a pretty like it's pretty important to the character. It's a it's a huge like life moment for the character for developing Batman. So it makes sense that in any series it gets referenced considering that's what kind of led him down this path. Yep. Which I'm also realizing it's a very overused meme, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I like watching this as an adult kind of be like watching this for things is just like i like the scenery like i think to me so the batman the most recent one gotham's better but i like the way this one looks too of how it's so steamy everywhere you go and it's how like nobody wants to be on the streets of gotham unless you're a sleazebag druggy prostitute <laughs> And then, you know, just like the idea of like when you fir- when we first see Batman, you see the two, you know, the druggies on the roofs um, splitting the, the pay. And then you just see him float down in the smoke. And you're like, OK, that's pretty awesome. That was his only move. <laughs> just like the slow fall down. <laughs> how, how do you guys how do you guys feel about him doing that? That every time he goes up against somebody, he gets shot or beaten up like the first like the first time we see Batman, He's he gets shot. <laughs> The action in this movie was probably the worst of any Batman movie. And I mean, it's not Keaton's fault. I had that suit looked impossible to move in. Yeah. It was just like hard rubber he was wearing. Like it, it was looked silly. like it looked iconic when you just like saw the character. But anytime he had to move, you're like, that looks ridiculous. Yeah. Well, this... oh, go ahead, Keith. Oh, I was just gonna. I was going to say, before we get too much further into the suit and the stunts, I want to go back to Gotham City and the portrayal a little bit. Because I think it's worth, really worth mentioning. I, I think that Tim Burton's portrayal of Gotham City like might be one of my favorites I've seen. It seems so like lived in and like the... Because Gotham City's like... I'm, it's supposed to, in my mind, it's supposed to look kind of crazy and unrealistic. Kind of like a... Like it's a sort of a weird, magical, dark place. And Tim Burton, like all the architecture and the buildings look look wild, and the steam you were talking about, and like the makeup they used on the on the junkies to make them look like junkies, to make them look yeah, like that I'm, was great. I'm realizing it's something I now hold against the Nolan films is that 
Gotham in the Nolan films was just like it's a Chicago. Like they didn't yeah. try to hide that fact at all. It just was Chicago until yeah. the last movie where they made it New York for some reason or Pittsburgh. Well, and I kind of had Chicago that same... and Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I had that same reaction, but about the new one, I didn't much like, like compared to Tim Burton, even in my mind, compared to Christopher Nolan, like Matt Reeves just comes off to me as a hack now. <laughs> far, like, wow. You are wow. in the minority in that people love Gotham comparative to the other movies interesting yeah it's very gotham is like the most well-regarded thing from the reeves film because the and also i mean it's, it's sort of a side note it's not really related to that but there was a lot of scenes with tons of people in this movie that i thought was kind of neat all the scenes on the streets and it just reminded me of how uh covid's kind of ruined movies for a long time <laughs> so there's never crowds in movies anymore <laughs> that's not a bad thing sometimes no <laughs> <laughs> um uh, the suit you got uh wade uh well so first um keaton couldn't move in the suit so you if you watch the iconic scene of him turning and looking up at the helicopter when the joker's flying away after he blows up the power plant that's just because he couldn't move his head so that's full of the he had to fully move the whole body so that's one thing about the batman suits themselves is almost every batman suit you can't turn your head this one is was clearly the worst though. Like he couldn't look left to right. Like yeah. to look, he had to completely move his body, which seems disadvantageous in a fight. That's why there's a lot of those fights in this movie that he just stands there as the opponent does karate kicks, front flips, all this, and then he just like kicks them, palms them, or just moves out of the way for them to get hurt. As I like um, to call the Indiana Jones fights. Yeah. <laughs> the um the suit weighed 40 pounds. I'm surprised it wasn't more, if I'm honest. Yeah, that's funny. Suit weighed 40 pounds. Uh, according to uh, Keaton, he got claustrophobia because of the idea, because of the fact that he couldn't hear <laughs> with the suit on. So he just had to uh, wing it. And he liked the idea of it because it made him the, you know, the method actor type thing of trying to get more into the role. Of being away and shunned and all that stuff. It's weird. I would say that Keaton looks more like Batman now, like old, like an older, like if they did a Batman Beyond movie, they should bring Keaton back to play old grizzled Bruce Wayne. Oh, that'd be interesting. Comparative to this movie where he looked like such, like he didn't look heartthrobby the way Bruce Wayne's supposed to. <laughs> he didn't come off as like a powerful businessman as the way, like it's weird. Keaton is a heartthrob, but he didn't feel that way in this movie. He seemed like kind of dorky and nerdy to me, which felt <laughs> kind of off for what the character's supposed to be. Yeah. He, he kind of fascinated me because every, he'd, he'd be cool every once in a while. Like I liked his move of walking up behind the people at the Wayne Manor at the, his like, his art well, museum collection like that was cool but you like, go ahead keith oh i was just, I was, I was just gonna because the keaton his his performance kind of blew my mind in this because he would yeah he would go all over the place and for the most part i liked him but he just sort of looked like a dude just like, <laughs> like I'm, with this whole movie itself it's um like if you when you go back and listen to us talk about or when you watch the batman you, we talk about how in this one you know, Bruce Wayne portrays the loner type character. And then in this movie, 
it's the same way, but you know, he's more, you know, he's in his thirties or forties in this one of like, you know, Oh, it's Bruce Wayne. Or do you know, do you know who Bruce Wayne looks like in this one? Uh, But here is a list of people that they considered for Batman for this movie. Kurt Russell, Al Pacino, Patrick Swayze, Mel Gibson, Tom Cruise, Nicolas Cage, Harrison Ford, Pierce Brosnan, Kevin Spacey, Alec Baldwin, Kevin Costner, Richard Richard Gere, Ray Liotta, Tom Hanks, John Tavolta, Sean Penn, Emilio Estevez, Matthew Broderick, Sylvester Stallone, William Hurt, Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, Tom Selleck, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Charlie Sheen, Jeff Bridges, and Dennis Quaid. Could you imagine mustache Bruce Wayne? Tom Selleck's just fucking glorious mustache sticking out of the mask. (laughs) Be genius. They asked Mel Gibson. I was just saying. I wonder which one. I just wonder which one of those were actually close. Like Mel Gibson uh, was forced to turn down the role because he was committed to the Lethal Weapon two. He would have been good. I think. Really? Um, He he would have been a good Batman. I. I can't picture Mel Gibson pulling off Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pierce Brosnan was interested, but he just didn't understand the character. So he said no. Funny. <laughs> he, uh, but it was basically Pierce and uh, Mel Gibson were the lead runners on that one. There wasn't really a name that jumped out to me as like could pull it off either. Like that's a uh, bunch of star power, but like none of them felt like a like Batman to me. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch this next one. I think Michael Keaton's a pretty great Batman. He's, 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 he's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. I'm just kind of, of realizing the more I think about it, they've yet to nail a live action Batman casting. <laughs> Cause uh, I, I had a note. I was trying to run through the thought in my head while I was watching it, just watching, watching his portrayal of Bruce Wayne, he, like, I kind of got the vibe that like Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Tony Stark, I feel like kind of sort of drew from this Batman a little bit in that, but just Tony Stark kind of turned it up to 11. So like, cause it was uh, Robbie Downey Jr. trying to revive his career. So he put everything into it. Yeah. And it, and it worked, <laughs> but like, I, I think I, I saw some, I saw some Downey Jr. in that performance watching, watching this. Watching this again with with the like Keaton, it, you got the idea like you know like I said he wasn't the first choice it was just more of a um, Val uh, Tim Burton saw one of um, Keaton's movies and was just like let's get this guy um, like I like the fact that with this one we don't get the where is she over the top voice like we <laughs> more, now we're used to like anytime Batman talks my mind goes that that route of where is she fucking christian bale dude he ruined batman voice acting it's if it wasn't for the dark knight i think there'd be so much more hate for bale as batman (laughs) and it's literally not even like bale is such a small part of what makes the dark knight series so beloved it's literally ledger like (laughs) saves that series yeah if it wasn't for heath ledger I think Christopher Nolan would have been seen as an utter failure in his Batman movies. So just, just for me, I mean, we're not going to watch them. So I think it's worth it to talk about yeah, the, the Nolan we will movies. down the line. I mean, I mean, yeah, eventually, but I think that 
like Christopher Nolan's a big like in as far as like action set piece and like cinematography and like art direction Christopher Nolan is pretty top-notch just like with the way because like big big massive expensive those movies were huge yeah but just like visually they were neat and then it was I forgot where he's going with that okay <laughs> um Keen uh once Keen was cast he uh the comic book fans protested by sending 50,000 protest letters to Warner Brothers about it. Um, Tim Curry, David Bowie, John Lithgow were considered for the Joker. Tim Curry would have been a really good Joker. Yeah. Because he would have like had that. I thought Jack Nicholson did a great job with the Joker voice. Like That felt really true to me. And Nicholson also had one of the best portrayals of like insane but brilliant joker to me in my opinion like he really carried that persona that the joker is batshit insane but also has like a sky high iq like he's just (laughs) crazy smart in the way he executes things and i thought nicholson portrayed that side of the character very well that's one of the things i didn't pick up in this i picked up this time around of like when you first meet um jack jack nicholson's character is jack and he is talking to porkins and porkins is like you know jack's like i'm in charge next and porkins like no you're not you're just a loose cannon and like watching his eyes twitch and just like you know (laughs) what what like i mean i will be in charge or you know when they do a little thing of um background of jack he's a chemical you know scientist you know he's into the chemical you know so he has a plan there's always something to do with him um i I do say though it's a point i hold against the movie and i hold against every movie with the joker that tries to give him a backstory the joker doesn't have a canonical backstory it bugs me when they try to force one like well i think with this one they were trying they force one because it's the first batman movie well, when we get to, when we get to the Dark Knight, we don't have a clear and obvious backstory to him, right? Which is why that's such a perfect portrayal of the Joker is the Dark Knight is because they didn't try to force a backstory. It's just an insane, brilliant dude who shows up and is wreaking havoc because he hates Batman. And this is one of those movies, though, that this is the you know the normal version of a comic book movie of. You all in any action movie too. The fact that you know the background of the, your hero and your villain. <laughs> yeah, it just it's anytime they do a Joker thing and they force a backstory for him, it always yeah. bugs me. That's why I didn't really love the Joker movie, just because they forced the backstory in there, and I just like I don't you don't need it. You don't. There's so many awesome characters in Batman you can use the villain backstory for. You don't need to force one for the Joker just because he's the icon, like arguably the top three iconic villain in the DC universe and maybe overall universe because Marvel doesn't like have as good as villains as DC. It's what it's what DC has up over Marvel is that their villains are so much better. He's either one or two to Lex Luthor. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially like of the like greatest villains, probably in all of comic books, Joker and Lex Luthor are probably in the top three. And that's like across all comic books. Yeah. Um, well, and part of the Jack Nicholson, I think a way to look at this, this movie, like 
he you mentioned that it kind of goes in and out of being silly and being comic booky, like overly comic booky. Hobo, One hobo. Of the things, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of that stuff. One of the lines that I, I wrote a note on that I loved was "Hello legs." <laughs> when they see you, that was Knox. Yeah, wow. I like belly laughed at that part. That was really funny. That was but, one um, thing about this movie that was weird to me is that they took some characters from the comic book, like a Vicky Vale, <laughs> but then they just like created their own characters on other parts. Like, there's a ton of characters in the Gotham world that's in comic books you could have just put in this movie like there's it's so unnecessary to create characters yeah so funny thing about vicky vale is uh thank you for bringing her up uh kim basinger uh portrayed her uh sean young was originally cast at her but she got hurt and injured in a horse riding accident sean uh sean young is if you go to youtube you can watch her have like a mental breakdown uh, about the fact that she lost her roles on she's from she's more known from um finehorn from ace venture um but she has like a breakdown because of the fact that she was up for the role of vicky vale and then she wanted to be Catwoman in the in batman returns but they said no nah, we're good and went away and she just has like you know like a mariah carey trl breakdown Another person they thought of doing uh, Vicky Vale was one. Um, uh, where is she? I'm blanking her name because I'm really bad at this job right now. Catwoman, oh, real Keith here. I know. Hey, <laughs> let, let me let me tell you what I'm doing here. No, uh, one Michelle Pfeiffer was idea for Vicky Vale. However, at the time, her and Michael Keaton were dating. So they thought it would be awkward. I'm so glad they stopped thinking it was awkward for the next one. We'll see. Um, what do you guys think of the uh, Batmobile? It's silly. It's, it's so silly. iconic to me as Batmobile. <laughs> like, I love that Batmobile. Like, that is Batmobile to me. Well, it was like silly in a good way. <laughs> I like how they all have the jet. Like, to me, that is still my preferred style of the Batmobile to anything. Like, it is just... That is Batmobile to me. Like, live version, I think, for me, it's this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the, the 2022 Batmobile had the big jet and the loud motor, but it couldn't catch up with, like, a fucking Lexus. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think this is, like, you know, people compare this to, like, you know, this or... You know, the fond wishes of the animated series, you know, that's the one, but it's like for real movies, I like this one. I like the, it's kind of simplicity, but it's also like weird over the top. Very phallic. Yeah, it was 26 (laughs) feet long. It's not like actually usable. Like there's no way you could act like that's why he has to have like a grappling hook to get around corners. I think that's actually turn the fucking thing. But Which, I, it's just you have. I still need some level of comic booky to this. I mean, we are still talking about someone who's putting on a fucking suit and fighting crime. So I think having the over-the-top car like is still fun. Like I love that. I love mm-hmm. this more than I love mm-hmm. this one. Definitely love it a million times more than I lo- ever loved Bat Tank. <laughs> well, the the car and like Jack Nicholson's performance. That's where I was. It was very comic booky. The car is very comic booky. Like the Hello Legs is very comic booky. There's a lot of the comic booky stuff that just hits really good in this. I like. It's the funny thing of 
of like as I said earlier, like this there wasn't supposed to be funny stuff, but you know, Jack Nicholson just portrayed it to make it look funny. You know, it's like um, you know, he killed two people and there are two dead carcasses are in a promo, you know, selling the Joker's, you know, suntan lotion, you know, like all the like, wow, we love the Joker, you know, stuff that like scene that. Of him and, talking to that burned up corpse was just wonderful. That, that traumatized me a as a scene. child. <laughs> That's what really That's lent it. itself to me is that there was such an amazing Joker in here. If they hadn't done some of the more over the top antics with him, because like those scenes to me is like true Joker stuff, <laughs> where he can just brutally murder people and then make a joke out of it. <laughs> It was so like to me that was really good. We we got the you know because Ricky brought up about the uh, Jack Plans guy like Jack you're my number number one guy. He <laughs> so the the Jack's girlfriend that he was banging he was banging her at the guy's house not at Jack's house <laughs> at his own boss's house. You know he was just getting off on that of like he's just straight up. Uh, banger there also the actress uh who praised uh jerry hall she was she's more known for uh dating uh mick jagger wow that's unfortunate for her (laughs) but no like that that scene scarred me the another scene that scarred me as a kid growing up was the scene of um the like mob boss coming out saying that he's in charge now and the mimes show up and then like Jack Nixon has like, oh, I saw him write the sign the contact with this his, with his dead hand with this pen, and he chucks the pen and like stabs the guy in the neck. <laughs> that yeah, like that scarred w- me. That was the very like kind of joke stuff to me that lost me a little bit in the movie because I was like, man, that was very like up like dialed up to like an eleven style yeah. Adam West type stuff <laughs> of just like a little over the top kooky. One thing I like about this movie is the idea of the Joker being pissed off at Batman's getting more publicity than he is. I yeah, I actually really appreciated that because that was that'd be such a Joker thing. It's like I'm doing these things to gain like notoriety, and yet Batman's all the thing they can talk about. What the fuck? Well, and that's a very like cartoony scene to create, just having someone get jealous of that. That's like a very, very like it's over the top and silly and like lends itself well to comic book stuff i think uh the joker's right hand man bob that was just one of jack nicholson's friends that they just said hey i want him to have a role in this movie and um yeah they got him to just have that role and it's like yeah bob bob's gonna be he's gonna be my right hand man and um that's gonna be it and i love the, the line of when Nicholson when Joker kills Bob I have that like that's imprinted in my head of Bob gun <laughs> give me a second guys you know I'm gonna need a minute or two uh, but I what did you guys think of the well let's talk about the uh, museum scene loved it <laughs> all, all of the prints uh I guess uh, Jack Nicholson's a big arts guy, and he was nervous <laughs> destroying all the art. <laughs> that's funny. No, that scene it reminded me of a 
a clockwork orange they kind of had that energy into it like it was like chaotic and the camera was moving all over the place and like jack nicholson's party dance man. his dance was really good party man's like, a fantastic song yeah that was yeah that was one of the scenes where the, the music did really good for me as like i felt like i sh- i i tried to like the music a lot more in this but for like it just didn't quite do it for me i know something about the music in this movie just didn't quite add up but that's I, it, that, that's funny because i actually loved how they like the composition to this maybe it's just because it has that batman sound that batman sound that i'm i love so much from yeah. the animated series i think for, for me it was like mixing danny elfman with prince was kind of weird was it danny elfman that did the score yeah, it was okay. it was danny elfman that yeah. didn't score yeah, Dan, danny elfman and prince clashed for me because i like danny elfman and i like prince but like having them back to back was kind of weird you're weird I guess I'm, Prince... I'm sorry. I don't know why I lashed out like that. <laughs> they a, asked Danny Elfman's a saint. <laughs> they asked Prince to do like one moot song, and then he's like, "I'll do the whole uh, CD for you." Nice. So like the entire first album is just Prince songs <laughs> aligned with Batman. I mean, uh, the that sounds brilliant. Uh, one of the one of the iconic scenes in the movie is the uh, "I'm Batman." Like, Who are you? I'm Batman. Um. <laughs> That was by accident as it uh Michael Keenan was supposed to say I am the knight and he just forgot the line. That's cool. So he just improvised I'm Batman and they're like, all right, we're keeping that one. <laughs> I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Now, yeah, that, that line survived 30 some years. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um another thing I like the idea of in this movie of Batman getting all the publicity over the Joker, and then like every time Batman messes up one of the Joker's things, he's like, you know, where does he where does he always go? Where does he get all those toys? You know, like when the museum <laughs> scene of like him coming in, shooting the gun back and forth so they can fling all the way out, and you know, it's like over oh, the the bat plane. You know, like where the hell does he get all this stuff? <laughs> that bat plane was funny looking. <laughs> I didn't remember that being in this movie. I Me thought that either. was introduced in the third one. Don't you guys love the subliminal the the um icon the logo shot of the bat the bat plane going into the moon and then like yeah. revealing the logo? Did you guys speaking of logo, did you guys notice the suit difference? No. Of the suit change or something? If you go back and watch it or just look at a photo the M logo on the on the uh, bat suit is different because you know the at the bottom of the Batman symbol it's like the the pointy end. Yeah, it, it's a different logo. Yeah, huh? Didn't notice that. It's a different logo logo from the the movie's logo itself. So it's that funny, um, uh, funny thing. Um, I like the uh, the museum scene. You know, that's the more iconic one of. Uh, you know, the crazy thing is the, you know, when she sprays, uh, she throws water on him and he's like, I'm melting, I'm melting. He's like, boo. <laughs> so that was a difficult scene to do. But what they did was they painted Jack Nixon's face with his normal, the face paint. And then they did another layer of, uh, flesh. So what they did was they, um, uh, where is it? They put a thin layer of food grade silicone oil in between, and then they put the fake skin on as well. <laughs> Jesus. 
So yeah. when the when he gets sprayed with water, then he can wipe off the fake paint to have his Joker paint on underneath. That's how they did it. Wow. So he stripped it off with the grease paint that that left the white packs paint intact. So it's like crazy kind of thing of like they were able to find a way to, you know, have Jack Nicholson have, put the Joker paint on and then paint over that too. Just like the look of the Joker was cool in this one. He looked really gross. I thought that was kind of a fun because like the way his like face was deformed, like his like weird mouth shape. I don't know how falling an acid would do that to you, but like it, it, he no, it's more the fact that he when he shot the gun at Batman, Batman and Wonder Woman them, and then like the gun the bullet split in half and reflected and made him his scars. Do they imply that in the movie? Yeah, I thought it was uh, like a shattered glass and the glass cut him up. No, it's more the it's more of if he he shoots at Batman above the thing and then Batman Wonder Woman splits the bullet in half, then it cuts him. <laughs> oh. And that's when he falls over and then he has like the two gash marks. And his and face then, became perfectly symmetrical. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, Keith, do you remember the call out on the Simpsons to this movie? Probably. It's the scene. It's the scene where Joker gets fixed on by the underground sleazeball, and then they do it for Simpsons. Simpsons did it <laughs> when Lisa gets braces, and she's like, "Mirror, mirror." Yep, 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 yep. I remember that. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't remember that. That's a cool Simpsons reference. Thank you. Or a cool uh, Batman reference, whichever one. <laughs> uh, Batman did it first. Yeah. Uh, they the idea of uh, you know it's. I like going back to Bruce Wayne. I, I, I didn't mind Keaton's Bruce Wayne. I just thought it was, it, it's that fun part of, you know, when he meets Vicky Vale for the first time and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, do you know Bruce is? And he's like, oh, I don't know who you're talking about. Move along. And <laughs> yeah, then, you, that was you fun. know, um, was very flirty. I forget <laughs> how, he, how like basically like, I honestly forgot about the, the, the love story that they were doing here with. Vicky Vale and Bruce Wayne of the fact that you know she's like I fell in love with you with the night one. <laughs> they have a they have a Bruce Wayne's afraid of commitment joke. <laughs> He's like, like yeah. out of town. <laughs> I didn't I didn't love the whole love story thing. Was, they did the, they even did the pepper pots like kicking her out thing. <laughs> it's like where you love me. It's like I will I will try, but he's still out there, so I have to finish the job. <laughs> we get a she's like okay. Well, I guess he's out fighting crime. I'm gonna go home and use my vibrator. <laughs> we yep. get a uh, we get a uh, kill for killful uh, Batman since uh, you know we're everybody's used to the Christian Bell. Of, I don't kill people, and this one he's like, no, I'll kill you. Yeah, he murdered a lot of people when he blew up that refinery. Oh yeah, <laughs> the refinery, the clock tower, um, the yeah, he killed Joker. Like, yeah. that's all. Yeah. Like, one of the biggest things about Batman is that he never kills Joker, and everyone questions him. It's like, dude, if you just killed him, like, people would stop dying. <laughs> he drops his ass. <laughs> Although, didn't they sort of? Was it an accident? Did his glove really slip off? What? <laughs> Wasn't that the how he dropped the Joker? It was like his glove slipped off his hand. Well, no, no but he remember... tied a giant weight to him. Yeah, and just Joker let it had fall. the gargoyle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, one one of the things I really like about this movie is the whole uh, Batman Joker fight at the end. We, I, I want to go more in detail in a minute, but the 
when like Vicky Vale is like kissing him and then like you just hear excuse me have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight yeah. like in the most like Bruce Wayne voice not Batman voice you know it's like excuse me have you ever danced with the devil in the like excuse me Whoops. and then he oh. just like tells jokers like hey I'm Bruce Wayne and you murdered my parents which <laughs> I, I and I think that's funny I like I would say I think it's funny because the fact is like you know, Joker's like, "Hey, man, you made me." And Joker and Batman, you know, Bruce is like, "Well, you made me. You killed my parents. I killed your parents. I was young. You know, I made you. You made me. We're even type thing." Hey, you wouldn't hit a man with glasses, would you? That that was so funny. Um, you know, Joker looks kind of weird. That was a funny. That was a funny actor. <laughs> I'm not sure who that was. Yeah, that was weird. Like but that, that, but it, but that guy that, turns into Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I, I'll take that more than uh, Ted Mosley becoming Bob Saget. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly. going to be my callback as well. <laughs> hey. hey, my aunt. When I told her, I'm like, "That's Bob Saget." She's like, "That's not Bob Saget." I'm like, "Listen to that voice. That is a hundred percent Bob Saget." And <laughs> in, in about two years, he'll start to look like Bob Saget. <laughs> yeah. My one question about the ending is I'm confused on why does Vicky Vale dance with the Joker? Does she just give up? Like she, she's not drugged. It's just more of like, he's like, da, 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 da. And she just goes with it. I think it's more like you don't know what to do and you're just trying to bur- like save yourself at the moment. Yeah. So you're just kind of doing what you have to do to survive. Okay. That's my best guess to that situation. <laughs> yeah. I forget how, how, Shock and all Vicky Vale is the entire movie. Like, in, like every time she's on scene, it's like, ooh, ah, ooh, you know, like she makes a jumping no- startled noise like all the time. And <laughs> which I'm like, is weird when you think about the fact that apparently she photographs photographs like atrocities, yet she's, she's like, like super jumpy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like she's just constantly yelling, and I'm like, what is like wait, what? You know, yeah, okay. Um it's like you photographed like atrocities. Why are you so jumpy? <laughs> you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts, right? <laughs> Come on, let's get nuts. I got that written down. That was that's a hell of a line. <laughs> I'm so con- a like, good ahead, level of male toxicity in this movie. Alexander Knox constantly just wanting to bang Vicky Vale. <laughs> well, that's the com- that's your yeah common type thing of uh. That was so eighties. 80s thing. Oh, so speaking of 80s, I, I, I have a cool note I'm pretty proud of here that in, in the 80s and 90s in the X movies, there's always a scene of a rope ladder coming off of a helicopter. They did <laughs> love that bit. <laughs> that's in like every movie. There's I think that's game. also a callback to the Adam West era because I think that was Joker's like getaway vehicle was oh. <laughs> a helicopter with the rope ladder. Well, you have that, but the more iconic scene is in the Batman Adam West ones. It's him when he's kicking off a shark when he is on one of those and he has to use the bat shark repellent. Nice. Doesn't he uh, also like, he runs like through like a pier with just a giant oversized bomb with like back a... and forth. He does it back and forth because he's going to throw it, but then there's slowly going down. He's going to do that. However, every time he's, he finds a place to throw it, there's ducks, there's kids playing. There's something always in the way until you know, it's like a it's like a two two to three minute scene of him running back and forth with um, all those things. 
Um, Sylvester Stallone cited that this film was what was led to decline of muscle-bound action stars in the 80s and change how action films were made. (laughs) In an interview, he was saying it was the beginning of a new era. The visuals took over. The special effects became more important than the single person. He said, I wish I had the thought of Velcro muscles myself. I didn't have to go to the gym all those years, all those hours wedded to the iron game, as he called it. Well, that was one of the things I was wondering. Like, all these years, like, Batman's going to be fucking ripped, right? How does no one notice that, like, this weird, reclusive businessman is just, like, blowing out these suits all the time? (laughs) Yeah. Well, in this movie, he only has one suit. (laughs) You know, like, and it's locked away in, like, uh the bat cave like thing of like wait like you have one suit okay um so in the early drafts of this movie there was gonna be robin um no, they didn't do that there was multiple there was many <laughs> been a very young chris o'donnell uh it was gonna <laughs> right. be it was going to be Kiefer sutherland who was 19 at the time um Sutherland turned down the role because he didn't imagine himself wearing the yellow tights on the big screen, but he didn't realize that Tim Burton's plan for the movie was going to be much darker than what originally happened. Uh, the role then was reduced down to a small cameo by Robin's alter ego, Dick Grayson, but then that was cut completely from the film. Okay, I was about to say, I'm like, I don't remember Dick Grayson being in this movie. <laughs> uh, there was always, almost in all the movies leading up to when uh, Robin shows up, there was a Robin like idea to get him in the movie. So um, I still cool. hate how they did Robin and Nolan. <laughs> we'll get oh, to it. We'll get to it. Robin's, I don't know. I, I, I think Robin's whack as a superhero. So like I'm, I'm always fine to not see him. But which one, Keith? There's so many Robins. I'm just picturing the tights, the yellow and so you're thinking the Adam West you're, one. Yeah. You're picturing a very Robin hasn't been that for years. <laughs> um, uh, scenes that you guys liked from this movie? Museum. I think we mentioned most of them. Museum, the dinner scene. We talked about that with the soup. I liked that. Uh, most of the scenes I liked were I preferred Bruce Wayne over Batman in this because that's the action, it's going to go into my review, but I thought the action scenes weren't great in this. Nope. He also, well, like, wasn't a great detective. Yeah. He really wasn't, because the only detective part, I think, in this movie is the idea of him, at, like, watching the um, Joker, or watching the news bring up, like, the things that we can't buy because the Joker has poisoned them. You know, you already have them. Um, deodorant. Uh, lipstick, shampoo, soap, all of these things. And that the only detective thing that he does that we don't see is him buying them all, going him and Alfred going shopping for him to finding out that it's a combination of all the soap, shampoos, deodorants, lipstick. That's all what causes people to die. We never got any of that. It's just he, he, what we get is him giving Vicky Vell the paperwork going, here, show this to the press. And you can break the case. <laughs> and then she's like, why don't you do it? And he's like, you're right. But because you can I'm do Batman. it. <laughs> um, one of the things I like, it, uh, I, one of the things that I didn't understand growing up 
is the scene of when he is driving, when he rescues Vicky Vale, which by the way, I love the fact that the Batmobile is on like the, you know, voice command of like, come to me, stop, <laughs> you know, lock up type stuff. And like, he's taking Vel back to the bat cave and he, she's trying to look at him and like, he keeps moving around and blinds her. But that little light turning on was so fucking hilarious for something that wasn't supposed to be funny. I'm like, he as designing his car <laughs> made sure to have a little light to blind his passenger to not get a good look at his face. And yeah. Michael Keaton has a very distinct like mouth and chin. <laughs> uh, but the idea of like he takes her to the Batcave, shows her the paperwork, and then he's like, I also have one more thing from you. And then like then he lifts the cape up and then we go to the next scene of her like waking up like did yeah, he knock her out like bat rape like what happened there because he <laughs> did he, he uh, took slip her a little something in his in her drink because he took the camera steal because she was taking photos of her of him in the alley and he took that from her so he had to reach down her shirt to grab it little unknown thing that batman has is the bat roofie <laughs> I like the I like this the scene of the the alley fight scene of mostly of him having her fly up and he's like, Hey, how much do you weigh? And it's like 108. And then like after she comes down, he's like, You weigh more than 108. Another very 80s shame women thing. I was just yep. like, Really? Why are we doing this? <laughs> but do you think that was Bruce Wayne or was that bad? You know, like was that, that's just Bruce Wayne. Because like, <laughs> like the real dirt bag. <laughs> there's there, there are some times when he is Batman that he does his Bruce Wayne voice, you know, the dance with the devil, yeah. and then you weigh more than 108, you know. <laughs> Let's just say he wasn't great at hiding his secret considering like veil fight. Like, and did she figure it out, or did Alfred just like be like, nah, he needs to fuck this chick and decided to bring her down to the back cave? <laughs> <laughs> well, because of that love story of like that growing up, I didn't know about. Like, I didn't pay attention because you know, as a kid, you're watching this movie. Is it's Batman? Who yeah, cares like, about the other stuff? Batman. Why is he making kissy face? Ew. Yeah. Gross. But like, <laughs> but there's like the references throughout the whole movie of like, you know, Alfred telling uh Bruce like she's good for you. You know, like this is you know she could be the one for you. So. There is that possibility that maybe Alfred's like he took it in his own, you know, into his own, and it's just like I'm gonna bring her down to the Batcave so you guys can finally be happy and try to be together. <laughs> Alfred's got a real thing for trying to marry off marry off Bruce Wayne. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is you know, I this movie for me was a joy just because of this, you know, growing up for the longest time. This was like the movie to watch because of you know it being batman but um anything you guys didn't like about this movie maybe the length it was a little long and a little slow at times i didn't love like the oh the -the over-the-top kookiness to me had its place at times but i think there was too much of it i think they did too many callbacks to adam west's batman through Joker's portrayal. But I mean, there's not anything overall to hate about this movie. I mean, it's still Tim Burton. And as much as like Tim Burton can get a little played out at times, it's still yeah. pretty good. Keith, anything you didn't like? Um, the sort of like the, the pacing of the action scenes and the fights wasn't great. Like there are movies in that era that do it way better. Uh, but no, I mean, 
yeah, the pace, yeah, just the length was a little much. And like, I remember like the, the, it, the reason why as a kid, I don't know, I'm, trying, I'm excited to figure out now as an adult watching it, the, why I like Batman Returns more is that there was like, the bad guys were more like kind of dynamic and crazy and out of this world a little bit. Like Jack Nicholson was just a guy with like face paint on doing crazy shit. So I wish the movie like never felt like it like took off compared to the other ones. Yeah. So um, um, this will be this is the only Batman movie that has one bad guy. Yeah. But you also get for this movie too the fact of like now re- like watching the you know detailed look like throughout the whole movie. Um, you know when Batman's talking to Vicky Vell, he's always trying to hide in the shadows because she's always trying to find out. She's looking to see if she can find out who the guy is. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like you get the shot of him hiding in the shadows, but you see his eyes, but not his mouth or vice versa. You know, it's just like they try to, um, you know, portray that off. because You know, that's what Batman is supposed to be. You know, the moody type person. Um, a fun fact is if the bat wing was built to size, it would have been 35 foot uh, wingspan. <laughs> what do you got i like the scene of when the um bat bat wing comes and takes his balloons but like he struggles with it you know like there's a scene of him like struggling with the balloons (laughs) you know it's just like cutting it and think those are my balloons where the you know (laughs) where the hell did it um those were my balloons. <laughs> but then we also get like the Dark Knight kind of thing of like, come at me, come, come at me. You know, when the Joker's standing <laughs> in the aisle. And what's with the Batwing that he sets up the, you know, the guns and missiles and it's a dead lock on the Joker, but it shoots beyond inside of him, you know, and then the Joker pulls out this long ass gun and takes down the Batwing with one shot. <laughs> I kind of appreciated the long gun scene, though. That was funny. That's classic Joker oversized weaponry thing, which I can like, get behind. That's funny, but it, I, I like it all. But it's like it just bothers me a bit of like the Batwing itself gets taken down through one shot of the big ass gun. Uh, one of the jokes is um, when Bat when the Joker's at the bottom of the of the like the giant ass building. He you know, hey, I need an air flight for. Uh, two all right five minutes and then he goes oh to act make it 10 that's actually up the stairs yeah the uh, there is actually 10 minutes it's it takes it 10 minutes to show up oh, that's so in, in in the movie the time is 10 but they make the joke of like why the hell does he have to climb up all those stairs <laughs> to get to the top and they just did it um but yeah, you know, there was like the, that scene I forgot about the end of like the J- Batman, how he gets basically his ass handed to by one of the goons. And then he, you know, gets the upper hand by t- killing him, by turning him down the. He is a super unimpressive Batman through most of the movie. Like he doesn't really do anything that's very cool as Batman for most of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he just kind of slowly yeah. falls from ledges and then like surprises people. That's kind of his move. <laughs> but then he just talks to him like, a, "Hey, uh, hey, how you doing? I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman." Okay. Um. So 
as I did the box office, and we'll get to it in a second, it, this might be one of the hands down, one of the top box offices that we've ever I'm exci- I was done. thinking, I'm excited for this one. Um, so the budget for this movie was only $35 million. Wow. Checks. I mean, there wasn't, oh God, some of the CG in this. I was like, oh man, yeah, 1989, that checks out. <laughs> $35 million while, like, because if you go off of the other movies, like, Pee-wee's big adventure that Burton did was like seven million and Beetlejuice was like 15 million. So 35 and 1989 was a ton then, but now you're like, that's, that's not much. That's low and end. Low yeah. end, yeah. Uh the gross for this movie domestically it got 251 million dollars. Internationally only 160, so combined to four. Uh, four hundred and eleven million dollars. God, that's so much for like a late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, box office for June twenty third to uh, the twenty fifth, coming in number ten in its fourth week with eight hundred eight thousand. No holds barred. Hell drummer. yeah! I'm trying to do the Hogan thing. Uh, number nine in its sixth week with nine hundred thirteen thousand was Roadhouse. 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 Uh, coming remaking in remaking that movie. Yep. Are they remade it? They're either remaking Re- it or they they already remade it. They are doing it. Um, number eight in its seventh week with uh one point five million is see no hear no uh, see no evil heal no evil. Oh, nice. The Richard Pryor Gene yep. Wilder movie. Uh, oh, number okay. S- number seven in its tenth week with two point one million is filled with dreams. Holy crap! Hell yeah. Number six in its third week with three million, Star Trek V: The Final Frontier. <laughs> uh, number five in its uh, fourth week with seven million, Dead Poet Society. Damn, what a list so far! Coming in number four in its fifth week with eight million, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Wow, Jesus Christ! 1989, good year for movies. <laughs> um. Uh, I want to say this now. Domestically, it was the highest grossing movie of 1989. Worldwide, it came second to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, coming in number three in its second week with 13 million, Ghostbusters 2. Jesus Christ. Coming in number two in its first week with 14 million, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Great movie. And, the, and that means coming in number one at 40 million, Batman. So out, of, so out of this list, I've seen eight out of the ten. That's so just that crazy. Like I was when I was writing the uh, box office down, I'm like, holy crap, this, this is just stacked. Yeah, and I like, wasn't tracking, but I've seen most of those. Most of those have had like good TV runs too. So like they're they were easy to see. Like those were a lot of like TBS movies. Yeah. Like the only ones I have not seen is uh, Dead Poet Society and See No Evil, Hear No Evil. But I know of See No Evil, Hear No Evil. I don't think I've ever seen it in one sitting, but I've definitely seen all of it from just seeing parts of it on TV. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's go to the ratings. IMDb gave this a 7.5 out of 10. Ron Tomato, all critics gave this a 72, while the top critics gave this a 65. And the audience gave it an 84. Uh, Keith, do you have a review from a... Uh... I do. A well-alive 
breathing and walking Roger Ebert. He gave it a two out of four stars. And uh, some of the criticisms he cited were the relationship with uh, Basinger and Batman was a little weird. And uh, he thought the movie was just kind of like a, a, a bummer kind of <laughs> like a, a lot of it was just sort of like dark and slow but no he uh praised praised nicholson praised keaton yeah kind of the stuff we were talking about i can uh tell you his uh partner siskel uh disagreed with him describing the film as a refreshingly adult approach with performances of design and a direction that draws you into a psych- psychological world so what's up with that yeah um, a fun fact in 2000 before I move on a uh, uh, fun fact in 2016 they started coming back out with the comic book of this oh wow so they started doing the comic book uh, in, uh, from 1989 so it, look, it looks pretty cool um, so let's uh, rank some stuff what we're doing we're ranking some uh, overall best Batman best Bruce best villains best suits Best Batmobile and overall movie. Nope. Not what it, not nope. Yeah. Can we run right. down to Walmart, Rick, get some marshmallows? I'll grab the blanket. <laughs> I'll get the fire started. <laughs> I think I'm right here, but um, so since uh, since we're still on the first movie, uh, everything's one right now. <clears throat> so I guess let's um Lay some stars. Star Thank you. By the way, I did I did rock that song, the Danny Elfman Batman theme earlier. <laughs> Cause I honestly have the Batman one, like it's imprinted in my brain right now. And I'm oh, just yeah. like, let me see if I can switch over to Elfman and they're they're both like they're both fighting in my head right now of like <laughs> so guys how do you got what do you guys uh, glaze what do you give one batman 1989 this is hard cuz i feel like i need to be respectful cuz it's a batman movie but i also didn't love the movie so from a respect level i'm going to give it 3 out of 5 Rick, you and I, I kind feel of feel like the... I should give it lower, but I'm gonna give it three out of five. <laughs> yeah, Rick, you and I kind of have the same logic. Like, I'm well aware this is a classic. Like, it's technically a good movie. Tim Burton like did good at directing, but Keaton and Nicholson did good at acting. But like, the the sin for me with it was I, like I didn't have a ton of fun while I was watching it. Like, I kind of like I'd like walk over to the kitchen every once in a while, check my phone every once in a while. Like it was movie, like once the visual spectacle kind of wore off for me, I was like, okay, I'm still watching it now. Cause like the movie was gorgeous to look at, but yeah, three stars. Well, I had fun and uh, I will give it four. Um, I, like I said, I watched this movie basically twice and back to back days. And I don't know. I think it just hit, hit something with me. Like knowing the fact, like, I enjoyed this movie, and I think to me now, Batman is my favorite superhero. Coming whoa, off, whoa, of whoa, whoa, 
Yeah. That's not a small thing for one Joe. I want to blow Superman Lessel to say. Well, I'm jumping ship to the dark moodiness of a man who will probably let me do let me do those things to him. I'm, as I'm we... gonna stick with Druig myself, but there you go. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, four for me. That brings Batman, Tim Burton's Batman of 1989, in at 3.3 stars around such films as 2022's Scream and The Matrix Reloaded. Sweet. That feels like that's a fine place for it to be. Yeah. I think those so. are good films. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, um, I, before we move on, I just want to bring this up. Robert Rule of Knox, uh, he ha- he does he repraises his role one more time. Rick, you know where? <laughs> no, I don't. And the CW's Arrowverse, the crossover Crisis on the Infinity Earth. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. I still had- I dipped out of that series long before they got to that, but they did a lot of cool stuff with the Crisis part of going between the worlds. Yeah, but he's in it for like a split scene, so. But. They even Matt brought Ring- back your Smallville for a, a scene in that yeah. crisis. Yeah. Uh, so we move on to our next film as next week here, we'll be talking about Batman Returns as we will be returning to talk about Batman Returns. Hey. Catwoman created by Falling Into Cats. Maybe. That's how you That's how you got turned into stuff in the 80s. You just like jumped into Yeah, like- you get turned into things. Yeah. Joker <laughs> fell into toxin he became the, white jo- he found the joker juice the penguin gets gets thrown away into a sewer what up <laughs> one joe's favorite danny devito so that'll DeVito. be fun yeah michelle pfeiffer devito michael keen returns tim burton returns as the director and that should be fun to talk about why he doesn't return for the later parts but that'll be for the next one next podcast but you know what keith likes to do right he likes to touch small children. No, no, to no, use... no, no, no. Oh, sorry. Wait, we're, that's right. We're done with that bit. My bad. <laughs> he likes to eat greasy cheeseburgers with his used lube, which you can go to uselube.com and type in greasy cheeseburger and you get 10% off your uh, used lube. Yeah. And uh, go on down, get that beast burger. Uh, we're proudly sponsored by Carl's Jr. So Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> nope, proudly. Pete, did you actually look at that contract you signed? Yeah, it's, 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 we're it's sponsored a... by a man, Carl's son, named Junior. <laughs> Carl Junior. <laughs> you didn't get a contract with Carl's Junior. You signed a contract with a man named Carl. And his dad's name was also Carl. <laughs> yeah. So wait, so... We're, we're not sponsored by Carl's Junior. We're sponsored by a guy named Carl Junior. And his, his yeah. His... Did you also read that we're paying them money? Uh-huh. Well, and his two sons, both of them are named Hardy. So the Hardys came over, and I got I got their sponsorship too. Wait, really you, you're, you're, you are you talking to... about Carl Hardy Jr.? <laughs> I really, really need you guys to stop signing contracts that aren't looked over by the producer. Well, his lawyer Ronald McDonald came over with with him. So see, that's my problem. Why would you think Ronald McDonald's lawyers would also work with Carl's Jr.? Well, he had five guys outside with him, so I didn't know what was happening. We were surrounded, all right? We had to agree to the... And they just had a guy standing there in a box named Jack. That wasn't Jack in a box. Anyway, go on down to Carl's house. Use promo code (laughs) FAKEMOVIEXPERTS. He'll give you a burger. (laughs) 
he'll make one on his grill and he talks about how he's the burger king don't get me started but what you don't ask what the special ingredient is spoiler alert it's meth god damn you keith and carl Carl hardy jr we've been bamboozled again but we can you can bamboozle bamboozle are yourself to nocellentertainment.com. That's right, nocellentertainment.com, where you can find all of our blogs, all of our podcasts. You can also go to Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, baby, to listen to all of our lovely shows. And like always, you can also listen to all of our shows wherever you listen to your podcasts. Who's ready for BDSM Catwoman?